Brand Junkies. What is up, Junkies? What's up? Here we are. Brand Junkies. So good. Uh, hey, Ken, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. I know uh, not everybody can see us, although we, we do have video that everybody can see on YouTube. They can go to our Brand Junkies YouTube page and watch every podcast that we do. Yes, if you really want to see some entertaining dancing. Yes, and, that's right. We dance um, in and out on every show. Ken and my d diverse assortment of suit jackets. Yeah, there's a few coming out. You'll see repeats, <laughs> though. But, but you look great today, by the way, in oh, your window pane. Likewise, likewise. Thanks. Thanks very much. You know who else looks great? Who can? Our guest. Oh. I want you to take a look at the other side over here. We've got Clint Reese, professional development trainer. Hi, Clint. Hi, Ken. Happy to be here. We're glad to have you here, man. Yeah, we are. So, uh, Dave, I know that uh, you're familiar with a little bit of Clint's work. Uh, Clint is a professional development trainer. And uh, basically, I know that you help the world improve its communication. Hmm. That's a lovely way to say it. I love that. Thanks. Why don't you share with us a little bit about professional development training? The reason being, we got a lot of people out there that are owners of businesses. They're in leadership positions in businesses. We have a lot of people that are starting businesses. And um, oh, from the show, there's a lot of information that hopefully helps them out and gives them little touchstones and things they can kind of work with. And I think you'd probably be a great addition with what you do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's you talked about communication, and I think the training aspect of it is what's super important. You have a lot of companies, whether it's small companies, whether it's large companies, they do onboarding training. And it's one week. It's here's your desk. There's the coffee pot. Don't talk to that guy. Second day is sexual harassment <laughs> training. Third day is here's our CRM. We paid a crap load of money for it, so make sure you use it the right way. Uh, here's a little bit of sales training. And day number five, we do a team lunch you can't avoid that guy and then you're done and you just you're set out into the world and so what happens is that people aren't trained how to be part of the team or how to be part of the company you know i listened to y'all's podcast uh when you talked about company culture last time and i was very fascinated by your one word uh core values and some of the oops and ouch and and those kinds of things and i think that companies don't provide that training for their employees. And so there's a lot of things that go unspoken with employees, whether it's frustration on the job, frustration with other employees, um, frustration with their leadership, whatever it is. And these things don't get said because the environment to allow these things to be said isn't created. So that's kind of what I do is go in and talk to leaders, talk to the team, talk to employees about how do we create the environment where we can share ideas, where we can have that cognitive diversity, where we can advance the company's values and long-term goals. So, so that's what it all is focused around. And it boils down to, you know, maybe 30 or 40 different trainings or variations on kind of similar things. Um, they fall into three categories, really. It's leadership, emotional intelligence, and communication. And that kind of covers the ground of everything that, that springs from it. So you're working on communication with the, yeah. the basic aspects that you just talked about. Uh, when, in companies, they don't always see maybe an ROI on something like that, right? They're always like, well, I, my company's running, we're going through our processes, we're making our sales, we're doing our stuff for you to come in and just talk to us and do some trust falls or whatever it is that we do. <laughs> how's that really going to help me make more money in the end? And I don't want to write this paycheck to do it. How, how do you, what do you share with those people 
to say, hey, no, look at it this way. Well, right. Um, you can point to the the exceptions to the rules. So you look at somebody like Google, and granted, they have a trillion dollars to throw at whatever they want to, so they can make their employees happy with all the money that they have. And it's a chicken before the egg thing. So did they get there because they just had a phenomenal product and now they have the money to throw at it? Or do they continue to advance because they've invested the money in making the employees happy? So then you look at other companies like a Starbucks or a Costco or these places where everybody's so excited to work there and it just advances things. Now, one big thing that companies talk about a lot is retention rate or turnover rate. And employees that are trained beyond their onboarding training are 70% more likely to stay in the position they're in. So you don't have wow. to pay for new training. You don't have to pay for new labor costs. You don't have to pay for this, that. You don't lose productivity because you're transitioning somebody's work to somebody else. So there's the ROI is hard because it's a soft skill. It's an intangible kind of thing that you're training. But you know, how more productive would people in the company be if they got along better, if they were able to share their ideas, if somebody doing the actual work presents an idea that changes the face of the company and you advance and you grow your goals. I mean, that's a hard thing to see, but if you can uncover that, then it's pretty easy to see how you can make a lot more money off of that. Yeah, that's a huge, you know, everybody wants the ROI, um, that ROI. Yeah, oh, I got Roy. it. Oh, there. See, I was like, who's the guy named Roy? He's a good dude. Uh, but I think that's so valuable, Clint, because you're right, man. Like, anytime that you lose a staff member, you have to train them up, and then they don't work at their full capacity, you're losing dollars in the fistful, right? I mean, it's just unbelievable. And if you're a smaller, mid sized company, it can really be devastating to lose talent that's so vital to your operations. So, whenever you're doing this and you're kind of like working with a client what's the first step that you take because i i know that you get new clients and i'm sure they bring you in but what does that process look like what are you doing to help them you know it's it's tricky so everybody's different because especially if you're talking to leaders you can get a lot of egos and a lot of pride in the way of no this is my company we you know we've been successful how would somebody that doesn't know the company as well as i know it come in and tell us how to make it better. So you have to uh, kind of finesse your way to getting to the real issues. So I do that in a few ways. I'll sit down and talk with the leaders, you know, what problems are you having? What issues are you having? What metrics are you measuring that you're falling behind on that you don't think? And then the most important part is I'll have anonymous, truly anonymous uh, meetings with some of the employees and ask them, what issues are you seeing? Do you have issues with other employees? Are you able to talk about your frustrations, your issues that you're having with the company? And typically that answer is no. Um, because we don't create cultures and companies where you can speak up, where you can raise your hand. And there's a lot that goes into that. If you raise your hand and say, hey, I think we could do this better, or I think we're doing this wrong, then you, now you feel like you have a target on your back. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm the one that said that we're doing something wrong, so next time a review comes up and I have, you know, I fell below a certain line because I said we could have improved, now I'm in trouble. And so that's the culture that we see in most companies. So what happens is people get to the point where they're frustrated. They can't say anything about it. So 
might as well just leave and go somewhere else where they'll listen to me or at least wait until they stop listening to me there and then I'll go to a different company. <laughs> and you see it a lot with uh, younger generations. So you hear the disloyal or, you know, they, they don't care about staying with a company. And it's because there's a lot of factors that go into that. There's the whole customized lifestyle. So if you don't like where you're working, you know you can go somewhere else. But there's also the the gap in the generations. So your older generations, they know everything, they have all the money, and the younger generations are scared that they can't raise their hand and say, hey, you know, I have this fancy new app. I have this new technological advance that I think would make us, you know, X amount more productive or X amount more successful. And the people at the top don't want to hear it. And if you can create that that cohesion, create that communication, then you open yourself up to just, you know, a lot more positive ideas and advancements. So you, you get kind of through that. You, you do these uh, interviews with the leadership and these anonymous ones. I'm curious about that. How do you do a totally anonymous interview? Well, so you just have, I mean, if it's one employee, that's not going to be anonymous because clearly that was, it, it was that guy. Uh, but I mean, I just ask kind of the same questions to everybody. And then I just put the answers together and there's no names. There's no nothing. I'm the only one that knows it. And then I just present those ideas. Or is it a written interview or it's you're in person? Yeah, in person. But I write down their answers, type in their answers, whatever it is. And so I keep that information. I don't share that with the leaders. And I tell them that up front. I say, I'm going to interview your staff. I'm going to ask them questions. And if you don't like the answers, it doesn't matter because that's what I'm here for is to give you the information you need to get better. And yeah. once they do that, and if they're willing to do it, that, that to me, that's the first step. If a leader will say, okay, yeah, you can do that. You can interview my staff and find out what they don't like. That is That goes so far because already that leader is saying, I might not know that there's a problem, and I'd love to find out if there's a problem mm. and I want to get better at it. And if that leader has that attitude, that company's already on the right path. Now, what what sucks is that the companies that really, really need the training that I do and the communication and the emotional intelligence and empathy training and all these things will never call me because they don't think they need it. That's why they need it so bad. So the companies that do get it are the companies that are already kind of predisposed to wanting something like that. So I've had a lot of uh, success with uh, educational institutions because they have a proclivity for learning, for training, for teaching. So they're more open to hearing new ideas, whereas a company that's been around for 50 years and they are successful they don't necessarily think they need to change anything. Um, but after I get those together and, you know, I kind of start putting together some ideas, then you take, you know, four or five issues and you figure out, okay, this is how we can address this issue. This is how we can address this. And let's throw in a couple of these things that will strengthen some other areas that you might have problems in. Yeah. So that was a great question, by the way, because when... It was a great question. Because when you said that, I was like, wait, totally anonymous. Yeah. How do you do that? I was like, there's like a sheet. I put black know? bags over their head. I'm like, come on yeah, in. When you said totally anonymous, I thought you didn't know who they yeah. were either. Yes. I put a voice uh, thing on them. <laughs> Hello, Clint. So you, you do this assessment. You take it to the leaders. You say, hey, this is the issues that we have. And then do you like basically based off what you find there, say, here's the trainings that I recommend and then exactly. run with it? Exactly. So I'll build a training program. So like I said, I have... Uh, you know, maybe 30 trainings that I kind of do on a regular basis. 
Um, I have a library of maybe a hundred, but you know, it gets very, very nuanced. Um, so it will typically be the one that's the most popular right now is actually generations in the workplace. It seems like everybody kind of struggles with that, especially companies that have been around a little bit longer. So you have baby boomers, Gen X that are running the company and then they're hiring a bunch of younger millennials, Gen Z. And then, you know, we all know the negative press about millennials. It's four. There's negative press. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Turns out. Just shooting for headlines, talking about how millennials are ruining the world. <laughs> they are. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so you, the the generations one's been the most mm-hmm. pop. Is it when you're doing that one? Is that communication all the way? No, it's uh, so that is uh, the the core of that is really emotional intelligence and empathy. Uh, gotcha. So what I do in that one is I go through your your four main generations that are working in the workplace right now are the baby boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z. Um, and so I go through kind of how they came to be who they are. So we go through kind of some of the events that took place in their formative years. So as opposed to uh, these people like technology and these people like this, it's more of a how did they get to be the people that they are. So it's, you know, you're talking about baby boomers, you talk about Vietnam, and you talk about Martin Luther King, the civil rights movement, then you go to Gen X, and they are called the forgotten generation, and they didn't have that much go on. It was <laughs> MTV, which I hear used to play music. It was uh, the Challenger shuttle explosion. It was 24-hour news started. Then you go into the millennials, and it's 9-11, it's Columbine. Then your Gen Z, it's Newtown, it's ISIS attacks. So it's... It, kind of gets a little more intense and so you start to uncover why millennials why gen z are more emotional and why they you know they put more value in the way that they feel at work and so you have to put value in that otherwise those people aren't going to feel valued at work and so it's bridging that communication gap because what's interesting is I gave that presentation to a room of almost exclusively baby boomers. And I asked them when it was over, uh, what are you afraid of for the new generation coming in? And they said, they're not going to ask for help. They don't want to change anything. They don't want to get any better. They just want to do it their way. And they don't care what we know. Right. So then I gave that exact same presentation to a class at UNT. And so it was almost all Generation Z. And I asked them afterwards, what are you afraid of? And they said, We're afraid that we can't ask questions and that they won't care what we think and that they won't try to help us. So it's the exact opposite. So all you have to do is create a way for those people to talk. And I mean, you change everything. That's pretty remarkable. Actually, that was the same thing. That was. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. All right. So what are some other trainings that you're doing a lot of? Uh, Emotional intelligence is huge. So. um, All right. So why? Because like emotional intelligence, that was not really talked about a decade ago and now it's like buzzword a lot of people are talking about it everybody knows that you have to have good eq in the workplace so like so it's interesting i think because it started to get more popular um people started saying it more that now there's also the misunderstanding of what it actually is so there's it there's four tenets of emotional intelligence it's self-awareness self-management social awareness and relationship management so self-awareness is not um you know i've tried to do a bunch of nice things but i'm kind of an asshole like that's not the (laughs) self-awareness that we're talking about it's self-awareness of this is how i feel right now this is the emotions that i'm having self-management is controlling those emotions so instead of 
walking into a room where you know you're about to have a, a problem or an argument with a superior or a subordinate, whatever, that you are able to manage your emotions so you don't snap at that person or so you're not too excited that you don't miss something. Because that's one thing is when you talk about self-management, people think they only have to manage their negative, what they view as negative emotions. And you have to manage your positive emotions just as much. Because what happens, especially in business, if you're focused on the positive emotions, what you, what you do is you get so excited and you're so enthralled. It's like, we're doing so great and we're so successful. So you're so excited. And then all of a sudden your competitor does something that's a little bit better than what you did. And you didn't know that you could change that because you were so involved with how successful you were that you didn't manage your emotions. And so somebody just comes and cuts you down. So that's the self-management part of it. And then those two things flipped are what you do for other people. So social awareness is I can tell that uh, Ken is bored and he's about to fall asleep. And, I can, you know, you, you start to kind of read other people. And then your relationship management, those are the people that are your best leaders, your best bosses, because they know what you're feeling. They know why you're feeling it. And then they can help move you towards a certain direction if you need to be redirected. So that's why it's so important in business. But uh, the, the core of it is really empathy and it's getting to know other people. Uh, you know, everybody has success, everybody has failure, everybody has all these heartaches and troubles and sadness. And you don't think about it when you're sitting across from someone. You only think about your life and what has led you to being right there. But that other person has a whole life behind them and a whole path behind them that led them to right there. So if you think about that, you can kind of start to uncover some of those right. things. Right. What you, what you think and experience and feel is exactly what the other person they have the same experience, right? They're the hero of their own journey as well. Right. So what I love is, I mean, I love everything that you do. And I love the fact that it's so grounded in like sort of, it's a humanistic approach to understanding like the human journey. And when you understand that. Joey Camps. Yeah, exactly. It's that Joey Camps thing. You have that self-awareness and, and that <laughs> self-awareness breeds a critical thinking and a reflection that you can then see that in other people and kind of understand it. What are some outside of like straight business or, uh, you know, industry specific books, what are some things that you read or stuff out there that you consume that kind of supports your beliefs and the way you feel about all this that you do? You know, that's weird. Um, I'm, I've always been kind of a science nerd. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, yep, I have the solar system socks on today. <laughs> um, I actually really enjoy listening to talks about biology. I think it's very fascinating. I think neuroscience is very fascinating. Uh, I think philosophy, if you listen to philosophy debates, I find that to be, it's just helpful. Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> it's just helpful in, in what I do because if I think if is you- this, Are I'm, those on ESPN philosophy debates? <laughs> yeah. Where do you catch yeah. these? <laughs> yeah, it's totally, yeah. Um, ESPN uh, 8, the Ocho. <laughs> did you check, uh, uh, did you uh, listen to the ZZEC, uh Jordan Peterson debate? No. Huh? Oh, dude, it's good as shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, super good. All right, before you guys sub-reference mm. me too much. <laughs> so so it's just, uh, I think if you, if you can kind of think about things in a different way, so that's what I always like to do. So that was, um, I think it was Einstein said, if you can hold two ideas in your head and not agree with either one of them, that's the sign of intelligence. <laughs> and so yeah. I th I've always tried to put that into play. So I try to listen to things that I don't agree with so that I can try to force myself to understand someone else, or I try to listen to, you know, how the brain works, how the human psyche works and those types of things, because it, 
it just opens my eyes to, okay, that's why this person thinks that, or this leader has this opinion, and maybe this is why he has that opinion. And maybe if I can, you know, you play little psychological, not games, but you, you take on a psychologist role, and you're, okay, why do you think that? And tell me about this, and why did this go this way? And let's talk about your mother. Right. Like, so you, you kind of just open, open the door to being able to uncover what people, what makes them tick really. Well, you did that really well. Like you have a lot of experience, obviously playing the psychologist. You even did the hand shit, like set it down. That was good. So tell me about your mother. You did say when you're talking about all this content, you kept, you kept saying, I listened to, I listened Mm -hmm. to how are you, you know, you were talking about the differences in generations. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you're doing podcasts or things like that. Are there specific podcasts or audiobooks or anything like that that you can recommend or name or anything like that? Um, you know, there's this uh, this one podcast called Brand Junkies, and they did <laughs> a right. show. <laughs> All right, so but no, also, more, no but, more pandering. But before, I'm, and I'm not asking you for a yeah. checklist here. The, the question actually was: Is that how you consume your information? Absolutely, based yeah. on your lifestyle. And I know you're married. You got kids. You're yeah. a busy guy. Yeah. So it, it's just more convenient. And that's it. That's the whole reason. If I could sit down and read a book, I'd love to. I, the, just the idea of that is romantic. You know what I mean? Just sitting down and it's raining yes, outside it and I'm in a big leather chair and I'm smoking a cigar and drinking scotch. Leather bound reading books. A, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a, that's a great thought. But reality is I don't have time for that shit. So I have to listen to it in the car. I have to, you know, plug it into my iPhone and listen to it while I'm working. Um, A lot of times if I'm doing kind of the mundane work, so some of the uh, consulting aspects of what I do is um, I'll, you know, be typing training manuals for companies or something like that. And it gets a little monotonous. So I'll just put something in and listen to it. And maybe I'm, you know, not as focused on it as I could be, but every once in a while, something will kind of catch and I'll stop what I'm doing and, you know, just kind of and listen to whatever that is. Um, so yeah, that's, it's just an easier way to consume it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, uh, Darren Hardy, who's written a couple books and, um, he uh, talked about in the compound effect, which is one of the four rethink books that we give to every new staff member. Uh, he talks about making your car, your classroom. And uh, I know that I practice that all the time. And and sounds like you do the same because wife, kids, yeah. business. Um, yeah, that's huge, man. So do you, have you ever like gone back and looked at how many podcasts or how many audio like oh god no no Mm-mm. i you know also i really i have to take uh i have to take breaks from it too every once in a while um so my last break that i took is i just listened to like a stephen king audiobook or something like that because it's airport just, reading yeah exactly it's it's more uh i don't think you should bog yourself down with only listening to the things that help you be better at business you should just have fun too so i you know um i've finished the uh the dark tower series in the last year and that was a hell of a lot of listening but uh it was really really good awesome so that just helps uh you know helps get the demons out (laughs) (laughs) so one of the things that uh you're talking about before we hit record was you also do 
disc assessments like that's a thing that happens a lot yeah so it's um i'm not that's something that the team that i'm on uh because i'm a learning leader for a management consulting firm here in fort worth called Britton kalish group and so that is something that the team officers offers i don't facilitate those necessarily um but the personality tests it's uh i think it's very very helpful but only if you use it the right way I think a lot of companies recently have started doing like personality assessments for pre-screening. And I think that is, uh, I don't know, you put yourself kind of in an echo chamber. If you're only going to hire one type of personality or two types of personalities, then you don't know the value that you'll get from somebody that's different than you are. So if everybody, if everybody you hire has to have a 70 or higher score in this category, then you're only going to get that type of person. And right. that type of person might not be the best for the company. So why not just hire people and use a personality assessments later to help them be better as a team, to help them communicate a little bit better, to identify their strengths, say, okay, this person's going to be really good for these type of projects, or we should put these three people together because they're going to have more cohesion. They're going to have more synergy than anybody else would. By the way, first time I've ever said synergy in a sentence, I feel like a douche already. <laughs> now you got to get the ear pods. Now, if you're going to go full douche. Hey, so. I'm, I'm going to counter that just a little bit because yeah. we do use uh, assessments of various kinds at the yeah. at the agency, and we do do them some, but sometimes as we're hiring people. Yeah. But we have so many very creative positions in an agency that we're working with that those assessments actually help us find the people that are unique to those seats and go, okay, this person's applying for a copywriting job, but you know what? They don't really have the attention to detail that we need, Yeah. but they might be better over here in a creative something, something. Well, right. And that's, and so that's the point. I mean, it's like anything, it's a tool. If you use it the right way, then it's great. But what you see in a lot of companies, um, um, an example would be like a big box store, like a Target or a Walmart. And you see people sitting at the little employment thing, just kind of clicking through. And what they're actually doing is answering the questions in the way that they think they should. They're not answering the questions as who they really are. They're not thinking about, okay, how do I really make decisions? How do I really work when I'm stressed out or when it's fast paced? They're just thinking, okay, they want to know that I'm good under pressure. So I'll click that one. But in reality, that person might be terrible under pressure and it's okay. It's okay to be bad under pressure. You, that's just an opportunity for growth. Or maybe we know that we don't give you a crazy workload because you might not be able to handle it. And that's fine. Like it, it doesn't, it, it can't be used as disqualifier of a person. Um, if you use it in the way that you've talked about, which is, okay, maybe not right for this position, but there might be something else they can do, uh, because we like them as a person, we think they'd work well with us and, but maybe we need to find a better, better spot for them. So yeah, if you use it the right way in the pre-screening, those kinds of things, and it's perfect. Yeah. I think there's a big difference between the, the, like you said, the large box stores that are just looking for a workforce right? and the way we're doing it. It is interesting though, too, because even in a boutique use of it, like we're doing, there is the possibility for that. Well, let me click what they want to hear. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I saw something recently about that, talking about misuse of personality tests. They're um, promoting and firing people based off right. personality tests. And right. There was like a pretty long, uh, I mean, like 6,000 word article on it um, and how it really boxes people in and they feel like, dude, I got rolled over on this for what reason? Yeah. Like, just because I didn't school, just because I'm not the right, 
you know, one on the disc assessment or whatever. And right. they're like, well, yeah, that, that individual shows more leadership potential than you. Right. What? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, I think that that can be fascinating. Absolutely. Well, Clint, um, dude, it's been good having you, man. Fantastic. It's been good being here. If, uh, if people want to learn more. Oh, thanks, man. That shirt. So our our shirts are very similar. <laughs> you have it a little more unbuttoned. I have a undershirt. It's a little conservative, uh, yeah. you know. I'm <laughs> businessy. I said synergy in a sentence. Synergy in a sentence. Um, yeah. And you've got ear pods now. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a completely ensemble. So, Clint, if people want to reach out to you and learn more about what you do, how would they do that? Uh, so easiest place is a very easy website. It's clintreese.com. So c l i n t r e e s e dot com. Um. I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm uh, LinkedIn. I try to do as much as I can on LinkedIn. Um, and really, that'd probably be the best way is either LinkedIn, send me an email. Email's easy too, Clint at ClintReese.com. There you go, man. There you go. Well, Clint, again, it's been super good to have you, man. Thanks for coming on to Brand Junkies. Hey, if you guys Thanks, are Clint. enjoying Thanks. the show, do us a favor, leave us a review and rating on iTunes. It really helps to grow the show. Until next time. Catch you later, junkies. Brand junkies. Brand junkies.